from Blank Rome, you're listening to BR at Work, the labor and employment podcast for in-house counsel and HR executives. We invite you to join us as we explore relevant topics at the intersection of law, business, and current events to help you answer questions, solve problems, defend claims, and attract and retain a talented, engaged workforce. Let's get to work. Hello, and welcome to the first edition of BR at Work, a podcast which is focused on helping organizations get the most out of their workforces by providing thoughtful, strategic, and compliant strategies. My name is Will Anthony, and I'm a partner with Blank Rome, a national law firm with a broad labor and employment practice. Welcome to our podcast, where we intend to explore timely workplace issues of interest to human resources professionals, in-house attorneys, and executives. While none of this is intended to provide legal advice on your particular situation, we hope that you will find it all very useful. What's most important, of course, is that we address what's on your mind. We welcome your thoughts, your ideas, your willingness to participate in our podcast to talk about workplace issues as we go forward along this journey. Feel free to reach out to me at william.anthony at blankrome.com with any thoughts you have for ways to improve our podcast, for uh, topics, or a willingness to participate in the podcast with us. Today, what I really want to do is just kind of give you a sense of what's going on in the world of employment law as we see it, and think through some strategies that maybe uh, will help you in dealing with all that's going on right now uh, to make your organizations as effective and compliant as possible. History certainly teaches us that certain factors that impact the workplace trigger unrest amongst employees and an uptick in employment litigation. Issues such as job loss, job change, social movements, social issues, legislative and regulatory change, all cause fissures in the workplace. And those must be repaired by human resources professionals, executives, and in-house lawyers who have a focus on workplace law. All of those historical factors are impacting workplaces across America right now. From my perspective, this is like a perfect storm. That's a rare combination of circumstances creating an unusually bad situation for employers. I thought maybe it's a tsunami, which is a series of waves uh, caused by an eruption of activity that combined to cause a lot of destruction. At the very least, it's just a unique confluence of events that are all coming to bear right now, which will continue to drive unrest in the workplace and resulting litigation doesn't really matter what we call it because you all know that it's impacting you. It's making life very difficult on, from your perspective, along with everything else that's going on in the world. And so today, let's just talk about those historical factors, what's going on now, and maybe come up with some solutions to make your jobs a little easier. The fact of the matter is, just as we take steps to prepare for storms, there are things that we can do right now to limit the negative impact of all of the things that are going on right now to cause this perfect storm in the workplace. 
It takes diligence, sure, thoughtfulness, creativity, a renewed commitment to positive employee relations, diversity, equity, and inclusion, and probably a little bit more empathy than we've been used to over the last decade or so. Seeking to unite people, not divide them. Thinking broadly when pursuing compliance strategies. Being proactive rather than reactive. Easier said than done, I suppose, but it is possible and it's worth exploring. In my three decades of practicing employment law and representing employers and workplace issues, I have noticed that new laws, social movements, and job loss are really the drivers of unrest in the workplace and claims being made about that unrest. For example, the ADA came into existence in 1990, then the Civil Rights Act of 1991. In 1993, the Family and Medical Leave Act became law. Following that was a flood of legislative developments at both the federal and the state level. States like California, New York, Illinois, Massachusetts got very active over the last few decades in passing their own workplace protection laws. For multi-state employers, that meant being adaptable in their policies and practices, depending on the state where their employees worked. Social movements also began impacting the workplace more dramatically. The same year that the Civil Rights Act of 1991 amended Title VII, the Clarence Thomas confirmation hearings brought the issue of sexual harassment in the workplace into America's living rooms as cable news had 24-hour-a-day coverage for the first time. I have always said that that combination of awareness of sexual harassment law combined with jury trials from the 1991 Civil Rights Act caused an explosion in the law of sexual harassment in the workplace. Later, of course, we had the dot-com boom, which changed the way workplaces looked, how workers behaved at work, how they dressed, and how freely they moved from one company to another in search of a cooler workplace and a higher salary. History has also taught us that how the economy performs impacts the volume of employment-related lawsuits. More job loss naturally is going to lead to more termination-related claims. I'm going to mention one other bit of recent history that's relevant here. As jobs change, wage and hour, class and collective actions surge. Think back to when the wage and hour, class and collective action tsunami started. It started in California when claims adjusters at insurance companies said in a lawsuit that they no longer had independent discretion and judgment because computers now estimated damages and put the value of the claim for the customer to accept or reject. Whereas before that, they would go out, inspect, take pictures, negotiate with the customer, negotiate with garages and settle the claim that way. They were claiming, no, everything's on a computer. I push in a few buttons. I say what year make the car is, where the damage is, the extent of it, and it spits out everything that I used to do on my own. That has led to about almost 20 years now of wage and hour class and collective actions being filed around the country, largely due to job change or timekeeping systems. More on that later. So where are we now? Well, 2020 
was supposed to bring clarity and focus to our year of perfect vision. I guess that lasted for a month or two, and then a global pandemic and massive social unrest and significant legislative changes and job loss with it impacted everything that was going on in the workplace. Employers had a shift to remote work, hybrid work. The job change was massive. In other words, it all came crashing down on us in the year of perfect vision. And while maybe in March of 20, everyone thought that maybe by the 4th of July, the pandemic would be over. Here we are at the beginning of 2022, and maybe there's an end in sight. Maybe not an end, maybe just a better way of dealing with the pandemic. And during the last two years, all of those key drivers of employment unrest and employment-related claims have continued to dominate the workforce. The way jobs are performed have changed, massive job losses, the great resignation, legislation, the PRO Act, the FAIR Act, the Paycheck Fairness Act, the Equality Act, the way that various departments are interpreting uh, wage and hour laws at the DOL or safety laws at OSHA, affirmative action and pay equity at the OFCCP, labor law at the NLRB and discrimination law at the EEOC are all changing and unfolding. The changes are unfolding before our eyes. In other words, for the first time ever, employers have been faced with all of the key drivers of unrest and litigation happening at the same time. As my friend and former NFL head coach and cancer survivor, Chuck Pagano, would say to his team, so what, now what? At the end of the day, it is what it is, and we as professionals have to figure out what we can do to help our organizations stay safe in the storm. So, so what, now what? Here's my now what. Let's start where I have always started, with your company's culture. Over the last 30 years, I have seen the way a company's culture can positively or negatively impact the company's financial performance, the employee performance, turnover rates, and the amount of employment claims. Culture starts at the top, how well it is communicated, down through middle management, and then to the employees is critical to a company's success on almost every level. How it is interpreted is really a function of how well it is carried out from the top down. Now more than ever, employers need to let employees know that they will be treated fairly, they will be compensated fairly, they will be supported, they will be listened to, and that the that management has empathy for all that they're going through as employees and outside of the workplace. A culture which allows individuals to flourish, rewards them fairly and equitably, and encourages them to raise and address concerns internally. That's so important. When employees know that if they have a concern, a beef, that they can raise it internally in the first instance, and someone will listen and address it or explain why it's not being addressed, 
is of critical importance to a, a culture that avoids outside interference and claims. We have seen how a lack of inclusivity, implicit bias, and an absence of empathy causes major disruptions in the workplace and sometimes even violence. What steps employers take will depend on the many factors that make up its workplace, from its size to its geography to its industry, to whether it's in-person, remote, hybrid. Regardless, it is critical for employers to adopt practices and strategies for ensuring its employees feel that they are part of an equitable and inclusive and empathetic work environment. One other overall thought. Well, no one has time to do an in-depth audit of all of its employment practices and pay systems. Everyone has time to conduct a more high-level risk analysis. In other words, take the time to determine if there are high-level areas of exposure where steps can be taken to mitigate the risk. For example, have you done an equal pay analysis? Have you looked at whether or not you have a lot of employees in a questionable uh, exempt classification from a wage perspective? Or do you have timekeeping practices or systems that affect a large number of employees uh, that may have some problems? A high-level review may limit some of your large exposures. We all know where those large exposures come from. Class actions, systemic discrimination claims, pay equity, OSHA, etc. I don't think that this is a massive undertaking if it's done strategically and thoughtfully. We will be exploring all of these issues and a lot more in upcoming episodes of BR at Work. Our plan, again, is to assist you in your work. Thank you for listening to our podcast. We hope you learned some strategies that will help you achieve your business objectives through an engaged, motivated, and energized workforce. Your jobs are certainly challenging, and we appreciate all you do for your organizations. Again, if you have any thoughts on how to improve, suggestions for topics, or would like to join me and present on a topic, please reach out at william.anthony at blankrome.com. That's william.anthony at blankrome.com. And I want to close all of our podcasts on a positive note. So here's my thought for today. Let's all listen a little bit more, judge a little bit less, and do something good for someone else every day. Stay safe, stay well, and hope to hear from you soon. Thanks. We appreciate you joining us for this episode of BR at Work. To continue the conversation with a team of attorneys that understand your business, your needs and priorities, and the unique risks you face, visit us at blankrome.com. The insights and views presented in BR at Work are for general information purposes only and should not be taken as legal advice for any individual case or situation. The information presented is not a substitute for consulting with an attorney, nor does tuning into this podcast constitute an attorney-client relationship of any kind. 